Welcome back to Boilers and Beyond. I'm Jordan Jones. It is Sunday night. It is a little bit after 8 o'clock. Purdue has won the Big Ten tournament for the second time ever, and Purdue is a number one seed in the NCAA tournament for the first time since 1996. Uh, There is a whole lot to talk about here on the show tonight, and it is a really weird time because, you know, Purdue winning the Big Ten tournament, it's one of those things where the Big Ten tournament is kind of a beauty is in the eyes of the beholder situation. Uh, Some people really like it. Some people think that it's meaningless and just want to get to the NCAA tournament. Uh, I'm kind of in the middle, so I, I don't have the perfect answer to any of that, but um, I know that with the NCAA tournament bracket being announced, that's what a lot of folks want to talk about, but Purdue did win the Big Ten tournament. That is significant, so I'm going to talk about that first, and then we will get into the NCAA tournament, kind of where Purdue is, kind of what Purdue's path looks like. I will have another episode later this week. Uh, I'll do that Tuesday night, answer some questions, talk a little bit more in-depth about Purdue's NCAA tournament path after I've had more time to look into it. Uh, This is a little bit more instant reaction, kind of like I do after football games on Sunday mornings. But before we jump in, be sure to follow along on Twitter, at Boilers Beyond. I'm going to be talking about the NCAA tournament all week over there, obviously. A lot of fun stuff to get to all leading up to Purdue's game at 650 on Friday night. And be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts because I'll be coming to you quite regularly during Purdue's March run, however long it may be. So be sure to follow or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. But Purdue won the Big Ten tournament. Uh, Really, it was a bit of a bizarre Big Ten tournament that really kind of encompassed the Big Ten this year because it was Purdue, and then it was a bit of a hodgepodge. You saw a 13 seed in Ohio State make Saturday, make the semifinals. That was the first time a team had ever gone from playing on Wednesday to playing on Saturday since the conference expanded to 14 teams. You saw a 10 seed in Penn State get to the championship game and have the ball with a chance to win the game. I believe that was the first time a 10 seed had ever made it to the championship. Don't quote me on that, but I believe that was the case. Uh, So it really was quite the bizarre tournament. But at the end of the day, kind of like the regular season where Things were very up and down for a lot of teams, but the one thing that remained constant was Purdue was the best team in the conference. That showed again in Chicago during the Big Ten tournament. It wasn't a stress-free week. Rutgers gave Purdue all they could handle on Friday. I thought that was a really good win for Purdue just to beat a team that kind of had its number. That game got out of hand from a control standpoint. Uh, I thought that was one where, you know, I, I'm not one that likes to hop on officials, but man, that, that thing got weird towards the end. Uh, Purdue almost let, let things get away from him a little bit with Zach Eady picking up a flagrant, but it didn't. Purdue won that game. 
then Purdue took care of Ohio State. Uh, certainly, the Buckeyes being out with being without Bryce Sensabaugh made a difference, but you know Purdue handled them pretty easily and handled a big run from Ohio State early. I mean, Roddy Gale couldn't miss in the first half. I, I think you live with that if you're Purdue. That's a matchup you're willing to live with. And then Penn State made things interesting late. Uh, they had some had some success turning Purdue over late and hitting some big shots, but Purdue holds on to win the Big Ten tournament for just the second time ever, uh, joining 2009 as the other time when Purdue won the Big Ten tournament. And as I said on the podcast leading into the event, I thought it was a big deal for Purdue because you want these young guys to continue to learn how to win. Um, I think when you look at the youthfulness of this Purdue team with guys like Braden Smith and Fletcher Lawyer playing such big minutes, Trey Kaufman-Wren getting his first taste of this, more minutes for Caleb First, a, a team that of the nine players that played this weekend, at least, I mean, really, at least seven of them are in line to come back next year, potentially eight, depending on Zach Eady. So I think any time this group can win and get used to winning, I think that's a really good thing for the long-term prospects of Purdue. We got, for the second straight year, we went to Saturday with a real possibility of Purdue and Indiana meeting in the championship game. And I wasn't sure how I felt about that at first. Uh, we talked about this in the Q&A on last Wednesday's show. Um, now that I sit here it, with the benefit of hindsight, I think it's a great thing that Purdue did not play Indiana uh, on Sunday afternoon in the Big Ten tournament. I think... That game brings out a ton of emotion, obviously. And when there's a title on the line, there's already going to be some emotion. I don't think you needed the big-time high or the really low low that would have come from winning or losing that game heading into the NCAA tournament. Um, if Purdue would have lost to Indiana for the third time, it, it would have been a real, real gut punch. And I don't know... That's quite the vibe you need going into the NCAA tournament. And on the flip side, you know, to beat Indiana to win a Big Ten tournament, that would really get the adrenaline flowing. And I don't know that you need that hangover effect going into the NCAA tournament. Uh, it's, it's not something I necessarily have worried about with this Purdue team because they never really dealt with the hangover effect, even when they were... Um, you know, like they went from PK 85 on an absurd travel schedule and won at Florida State, and they bounced back after big wins pretty well for the most part. But you don't want to deal with that. I think it's for the best that Purdue didn't get Indiana on Sunday. Um, obviously, you know, from a competitive standpoint, yeah, you would love to. Uh, it would have been great for TV, it would have been great for the fans, but. I don't think if, if you're Purdue, I think you're just fine with how this went. Obviously, from a Purdue partisan standpoint, you're quite happy to see Micah Shrewsbury make a run, get Penn State into the NCAA tournament. I, I thought that was pretty cool. I remember listening to him talk to the media 
after Penn State got beat pretty good at Mackey Arena in early February when Mason Gillis made a million three-pointers on him. And Micah Shrewsbury was very adamant that his guys, Jalen Pickett, uh, Seth Lundy, Miles Dredd, Andrew Funk, he wanted those guys to make the NCAA tournament, and he said they would do it. They did it. I think that's really good for him. Obviously, we'll see what's to come with Micah Shrewsbury and some of these job openings he's being linked to, Georgetown, Notre Dame. Whether he takes one of those or not, I don't know, but obviously very good for a former Purdue assistant. And I think as a whole, with the exception of the last, what, five minutes against Penn State, Purdue played some really good basketball this week. Take away the first five and the last five minutes of the weekend, the first five minutes against Rutgers and the last five against Penn State, Purdue played some great basketball. I really thought Purdue played quite well. I thought there was a lot to like about it, and I thought Purdue got a little bit of mojo back. Things move quickly in the month of March and in conference tournaments in particular because it's one day after another, but... Purdue's won five games in a row now, and they have a little bit of momentum back after a rough month of February where, uh, what, they lost four of their seven games that month, I believe. I think that's right. Yeah, four of the seven games in the month of February. They're now 5-0 and in March, and that's a big deal. It's a big deal to be feeling good about yourself going into this. Um. Up until Sunday, I thought it was good that Purdue got some three-pointers to fall. Um, Seven for 20 against Rutgers. Seven for 15 against Ohio State. Those will do. Those will do for this team. Uh, Six of 28 against Penn State. That won't do it. And while you can look at the press break, and Purdue certainly struggled a little bit there, um, I think it's also worth pointing out that If you make a few more of those uh, three-pointers early on, then maybe this isn't an issue. You know, Purdue only did turn it over seven times total. I know a number of those came late, but seven turnovers is pretty good. You got to be better than 21% from three and 13 of 20 from the foul line. But I think just getting that momentum back is so big. Zach Eady showed why he is the Big Ten Player of the Year. Uh, A couple of 30-point performances, back-to-back days for him. Uh, That was was quite impressive. He had himself a weekend. David Jenkins Jr. really had a good weekend. Uh, He came on quite well for Purdue. Getting good minutes from him is big-time stuff. Uh, It's not... It's not like he's been giving Purdue bad minutes before, but he certainly hadn't shot the way he would have liked to this season. And I I think there was reason to believe that he was going to shoot better moving forward. And, you know, looking in the box score, he had a great weekend. He shot the ball well. He moved the ball well. He did a lot of good stuff. Uh, I... I think that's been really big. Obviously, Brandon Newman's doing some really good things for Purdue. I thought Braden Smith had a great weekend. Uh, He did go 0 for 8 from the floor against Penn State, 
But with seven assists, four rebounds, I thought he still had a good game there. He was brilliant against Ohio State. Um, he did some really good things. Obviously, Purdue's still looking for Fletcher Lawyer to find his shot. Uh, he's really struggling right now. And I don't know, I don't know what all there is to really say, but you know, he's a better shooter than he's indicating right now. And that's uh that's all there really is to say. Hopefully for Purdue's sake, he can get hot here in the NCAA tournament. It would be quite welcomed. Um Mason Gillis came up big. You look at what he did on Friday. Purdue doesn't win the Big Ten tournament without Mason Gillis's game on Friday. Uh, his toughness uh, played big time for Purdue against a team like Rutgers. All in all, it, it was a really holistic effort. And I tweeted this after, after the Big Ten tournament championship game. Purdue finished the regular season 29-5. and That's tied with UCLA and Alabama for the best record of any program in a power five, excuse me, a power six conference uh, in basketball this season. That's pretty remarkable. Um, to do that is, you know, you're, you're dominating one of the better conferences in the country. Uh, I, I think the Big Ten's the second best conference behind the Big 12. There's certainly an argument to be made for the SEC, but... Purdue going 29 and 5 is pretty remarkable. That's a heck of a season. Uh, the losses kind of came in a clump, which changes the way you look at things to a certain degree. But Purdue really had an awesome, awesome regular season. If Purdue can win two games in the NCAA tournament, this team will be the uh, will take the record for the most wins in a single season in Purdue basketball history. That's currently set at 30 from the 2018 team that lost in the Sweet 16 to Texas Tech. This Purdue team's done a lot of great things. Uh, winning the regular season, winning the Big Ten tournament, I think, and I've done this all year, and I say out loud on the podcast that I need to stop doing it, but when you compare this year's team to last, you know, last year's team didn't win the Big Ten regular season when it had every chance to. Last year's team didn't win the Big Ten tournament when it made it to the final and played a team that had already beaten twice. Those missed opportunities, in my opinion, made the loss to St. Peter's hurt even more than it already did. And it should have. It absolutely should have. That was a bad, bad, bad loss. But... When you don't take care of business in the regular season, it raises the pressure on you in the NCAA tournament. That's not to say that there's no pressure on Purdue in the NCAA tournament because we all know that the pressure is through the roof on Purdue right now. Uh, you can't describe how much pressure is on Purdue. It is the most Final Four hungry fan base in the country. Uh, you already know that that's going to be the baseline expectation for a lot of folks and that there will be some folks that are very disappointed with this season if Purdue does not make the Final Four. Whether that's fair or not, I'm not here to tell you how to view this season, but I think it's a really, really big deal that Purdue has already accomplished two of its goals. 
Matt Painter always talks about it. You know, you want to win the Big Ten, you want to win the Big Ten tournament, and you want to get to the Final Four. Purdue's done two of those already. That is inherently better than not winning the Big Ten, not winning the Big Ten tournament. I want to figure out if this is now 26 Big Ten championships, if it's just 25. I don't know how they count that. I'll be interested to find out. But Purdue caps off a really, really good, I guess it's the postseason after the Big Ten tournament, but Purdue enters the NCAA tournament in as great of shape as you could have possibly dreamed of coming into this season. Um, It's a number one seed for the first time since 1996. I I think that's a big deal. I've said all along here that I don't care that the games in the South region and the Sweet 16 and Elite Eight would be in Louisville. Give me that one seed. Purdue got the one seed. Now, whether I'll be proved right or not, I don't know. But they get a one seed. Uh, First and second rounds are in Columbus. Third and fourth rounds would be in New York City inside Madison Square Garden if Purdue can get that far. Um, I have not much to say about Texas Southern or Farley Dickinson. Um Oh, the the 16 seed play-ins kind of drive me crazy. John Rothstein is a big believer in this, and the more I think about it, the more I agree with him. Um, conference champions should not be going to the first four. If you win your conference, you should be in the field. So it does drive me a little nuts that Texas Southern and Farley Dickinson have to go play in Dayton for the chance to make the field of 64. But whatever, uh, Purdue gets either one of those. Um, from my brief research so far, Texas Southern is below 500. They were the eight seed in their conference tournament, and then they went on a heater. So they're in the big dance for the third straight year. Farley Dickinson is the shortest team in college basketball. Uh, they have the... Like if you look at the height metric that Ken Palm throws out there, uh, they have the lowest height in the country. So um, they're also the two lowest teams in Ken Palm in the NCAA tournament. Um, Like for some perspective here, I'm trying to find a team that Purdue played around this mark, but... uh, Farley Dickinson is in the 300s and Texas Southern's in the 280s. So uh, neither of these teams are particularly world beaters. Purdue, knock on wood there, Purdue should be okay. And then you look at a potential second round game where Purdue would play Memphis or Florida Atlantic. They're both a little bit scary. Uh, I won't shy away from that. I think Memphis is more scary than Florida Atlantic. Kendrick Davis is really good for Memphis. Um, Florida Atlantic, you know, they're thirty-one and three. That that's notable. Um, but you know, Purdue, Purdue's in it. Purdue's in a fine spot. Now you just got to go win the games. It is the obvious part. It is the easier said than done part. But it's kind of reality here. Um, Duke or Tennessee in a hypothetical Sweet 16 matchup. Okay. 
I mean, you beat Duke. Duke's obviously improved quite a bit since then, but you've beaten them. Tennessee's not themselves without Zakai Ziegler. Um, you look on the bottom side, Marquette, Kansas State, Kentucky. Okay, I mean, these are good teams. Uh, you are going to have to beat good teams. Now, in the round of 32, would you prefer maybe a little bit lighter of an opponent than Memphis or Florida Atlantic? Sure, but beggars can't be choosy here. Um, that's kind of it's kind of where you're at. Purdue has their path in front of them. It's a 6:50 tip on Friday. It's in Columbus, so um, I would think it'll be a decent Purdue turnout. I didn't look who else who else is playing in Columbus. I'm gonna try to find this live here, which is always. Always kind of a disaster. Um, let's see. Columbus, Columbus, Columbus. Okay, for the life of me, I can't find it. But should be plenty of Purdue fans in Columbus. Um, at the end of the day, you know, this is where things get real. This is where, for a lot of people, the bread will be buttered and how they'll remember this season. The ball's in Purdue's court now. It's going to have the best player on the floor in every game it plays. It will likely have the better coach in every game it plays. Um, that's a good place to start. <laughs> you kind of go from there. But, you know, all all season long, the big knock on Purdue is, oh, you know, they're they're young. They're freshman guards. They, they play through the post too much. Bigs don't win in March. Let's see. The time is now. Uh, we The proof is going to be in the pudding here. Uh, and by this time, well, I guess a few hours from now, in a week, uh, it's 8.35 p.m. So uh, in one week and three hours, 68 will be down to 16. Will Purdue still be standing? We will find out. Uh, it'll all go by really fast here. But I will do a Q&A NCAA tournament question, question answer show. Record that Tuesday night. Start sending in your questions on Twitter, at Boilers Beyond. I will go as long as I need to on Tuesday night. I'll get everything answered possible. Start sending those over to me. I'm looking forward to that. And then we'll see where things go from there. But we'll have a little bit more NCAA tournament deep dive, kind of into into Memphis, into FAU, um, into Texas Southern and Farley Dickinson. Talk a little bit more about those teams in detail, and then we'll answer your questions here. So looking forward to that. Uh, but that's all I've got for today. I know it was a little bit shorter, but there's only so much to say when there are so many moving parts right now. You just kind of got to let the dust settle a little bit. We'll be back here Tuesday night. It'll be in your feeds Wednesday morning. Send those questions over to me on Twitter at Boilers Beyond. And until then, enjoy filling out those brackets, folks. Take care.